Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with The Best Deal Ever Show, and today's episode is featuring my new friend, Ziana McIntyre. Ziana, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you. Now, interesting fun fact. You're actually recording right now in Brandon Turner's studio. Is that right? Yes. Does it look familiar? It yes. looks familiar. <laughs> he did not have the same moves that you do, but I, I do uh, remember recording in his studio. That's Now, it was funny. Last time I talked to him in the studio, he looked to his right and bragged that he could see the ocean. So do you have an ocean view oh, from where you are right now? Yes, I do. And a pool view. It's very fancy here, I got to say. That's amazing. Good landscaping. So, so, what, <laughs> so what, what brings you to Hawaii? How did this all work out? Yeah, so I grew up in Hawaii, actually, oh, and um, my sister's here, my family's here, so I come back about a month or two a year, so we're here for another month. It's awesome. Oh, man, that's awesome. And so you're on, the, you're on Maui then? Yes, we're on Maui. Crazy. And so you just called up Brandon, like, Brandon, I need a studio. I know you're right down the street. Let me, <laughs> let me go record with you. I totally did. I was like, well, I'm pretty close on like how much stuff I can bring in my luggage. I was like, do I really want to lug around a mic and all this stuff? And I was like, Brandon's going to have all the tech. And so he does. <laughs> Actually, there's like four cameras. It's a little like intimidating. I'm a little intimidated that I'm getting out camera because I think <laughs> I only have four cameras. And you might be the only guest that has matched my camera Boom. quantity. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So <laughs> 11 months out of the year when you're not in Maui, where's your, your home market? I am in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, very cool. Boulder. Yeah. That's so you're, that's right. Cause you're friends with some of the folks at bigger pockets. So you're, are you close to the office? Where's the office in relation to you? The office is in Denver. That's probably 40 minutes away. Okay. And then, yeah, there's a lot of kind of bigger pockets, early retirement people that live in Longmont, which is like a half an hour away. So it's okay. kind of like a little hub. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You real estate investor types. Yeah. Awesome. So you have a slightly different model. You're not necessarily a flipper. Tell us a little bit about your model. Yeah. So I'm an airbnb -er. I do buy and holds and then I turn them all into Airbnbs. So I generally buy something that's already been renovated and just furnish right away. And uh, so, yeah, I want to talk about how you can find things right off the market that are like on the MLS and they still make really great deals. It's just about finding out you know, where you are in the food chain of real estate. <laughs> Interesting. What's well, such a niche and so many people are getting into it. I've dabbled in it now for a couple of years. I think I've got six here in Atlanta and, uh, and it was never on purpose. I never set out to get into the Airbnb business, but you have a house that doesn't sell or even a rental that doesn't do that well. And, uh, and we've converted into Airbnbs and all of a sudden they start performing really well. And we're like, well, crap, let's start buying houses just for Airbnb. And I guess that's, is that sort of how you got started? Yeah, well, actually, I got started just doing Airbnb kind of just normally. So I had a friend who got laid off in New York, and he had this really expensive lease and was totally burnt out and said, you know what, I want to travel the world, but I've got this lease that I can't get out of. I heard of this Airbnb thing. I'm going to try it. And so after a year of doing it and telling me, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, he told me he made $50,000 off of an apartment he didn't own. And so I was like, whoa, okay, this sounds like the ultimate side hustle. And that was like 2012. So I've been in this game a while. Um, but yeah, I started with a place that I was just renting and then rented and re-rented. So that, they call that master leasing now. But yeah. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess when it's funny because I've seen even like some of the gurus out there with their courses on the Airbnb, which and it's a phenomenal strategy. It's like you said, you rent somebody else's and you turn around and re-rent it out. But I'm sure there's some, you got to ink that right. There's some paperwork to make sure that you have the ability to, to lease it out. Is that your primary model now or are you buying and owning? I'm buying and owning, but I also do a lot of uh, co-hosting or management. And so that's a great model for people too, because you can just cream off the top. So you take 25% of something that you don't own, that you didn't furnish, that you don't put any money into, and then you just make a bit of their profit right off the top. So it's pretty awesome. So how many of those houses do you manage right now? So I manage 25, six of them are ones that I own. Okay. And so, yeah. Interesting. And they can be all over the world. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I live in Atlanta. I can only do in Atlanta. But no, so much of what we're doing with Airbnb is done online, all the communication and scheduling and stuff that if you've got, you know, two cleaners and a handyman, you're good to go. And are you doing that yourself then? Is is your phone constantly going off with guests and reservations and questions and whatnot? No, I mean, back in the day, I was really bootstrapping it. I even used to clean them all and everything. Oh, wow. You get to a point where you're like, okay, I want to travel. I want to do some other things that I want to up level. So I started bringing people onto the team, but now I have 24 hour receptionists. I really don't hear about stuff until it's like pretty advanced. Okay. So somebody else is responding. Okay. Good for you. So you've already scaled it up a little bit. Somebody else is responding. And I guess like, as long as you have a good cleaner, somebody that's turning over the property and you've got good communication, then you're kind of set, right? It's just communication at that point. Yeah. I mean, what I find is it's a lot of people management, which I never really learned how to do. So I'm kind of learning on the go. Um, But it can be a challenging thing. It's it's a little bit of babysitting. Like, oh, did you really go do the thing you said you were going to do? And, you know, making sure everybody talks to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And the the key is to be a super host, right? Isn't that like where you get really good exposure? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think being a super host is great. It doesn't always work out that easily for people that are um, doing lots of properties. I think the easiest people to become super hosts are the ones that live on the property and it's like their basement or their guest room where they can invite you to a meal and have fresh flowers in the home and they're like there to host. Okay. Um, When you got tons of places, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss a clean. You're going to have a bad review. So I don't really worry about that as much. It's like sometimes we have super hosts, sometimes we lose it. I got you. It only takes one bad one because it's funny here in Atlanta too. We were super hosts and then somebody threw a party and we called them out for throwing a party. They gave us one star and bam, just like that. We lost our super host. So it's not, it's not easy to maintain. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's tricky. Well, so, okay. So out of these 30 deals that you're, you're managing and I know a handful of them are your own. Tell me about the one that is your best deal. My best deal. Okay. Yeah. So I moved into the St. Louis market. My first property that I owned was in Boulder because that's where I started and what I knew. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved in the St. Louis um, market, I got so excited about it that I thought, okay, I need another place. So it was doing so well. I bought a place in July of 2015 that I just looked right down the street and I bought the house six doors down. Um, And this was a house that was just listed on the MLS and it had been sitting around for a long time. And I got it for $52,000. Wow. Um, Yeah. So that alone, there are homes still in St. Louis that are that cheap. And I think people don't realize that. Wow. Um, But yeah, that house now makes us like Airbnb seasonal. So it makes us between $1,500 and $3,000 a month, which is awesome. Oh my Um, gosh. And long term, that home would probably only do nine hundred. So even as a backup plan, this home is completely paid off. I bought it in cash, so it's 
you know, it's still a great backup plan for me. The numbers still work if that ever had to happen. That's crazy. Okay. So this house was just yeah. sitting on the market. So you lived around the street in a, in a neighborhood of $50,000 homes. I mean, was this a safe street? Is this a good area or is this a... Yeah. I mean, I think it's a B neighborhood, you okay. know? So it's like a little more working class and whatever. And every once in a while, I'll get a review where they're like, oh, I didn't feel safe. But I think, unfortunately, there is a lot of racism that you see on Airbnb. And so if people are like, oh, this is a black neighborhood and I didn't know that going into it, they may say something. Mm. Um, but I think it's completely fine. And it's really close to the college that brings a lot of people in. And it's really close to a really fun walking street with lots of restaurants. So I think they're really gentrifying the area and it's only going to get better. Awesome. Yeah. So you bought it for 52 from who? Do you know who was selling it? I don't know. Um, it was a couple in California and I really felt like just, com you know, communicating through my realtor, it really felt like they were kind of like distressed by this property. It was like they had had probably a string of bad tenants. Maybe they had a lot of vacancy and they were just like over it. Um, and I also saw like, cause you can see the history in Redfin, um, that they had bought it in 2006. So like height of the market before the crash, they bought it for 96,000. So I thought, well, you know, worst case scenario, it might go up. It has some room to go up. Right. And so they're losing a lot of money on it. So yeah. I just think for them all around, it was like a lose, lose, lose. And they couldn't wait to just get rid of it. Yeah. And it's funny because it's my best deal ever. So I kind of like want people to see that you never know what you have and really try to be creative and step back and see if there's other ways that you can spin it because it's a, it's a wonderful house. It's one man's yeah. trash is another man's treasure, I guess. Right. I mean, that's, that's Absolutely. amazing. So they were yeah. renting it and having issues with the renters and they were just sort of burnt out. Yeah, I think, you know, the long-term renters that you would get in that area might be a little trickier. You know, you might be dealing with more like low income and maybe some um, issues with people paying rent. You might have issues with, um, you know, drugs or neighbors or lots of things. So, yeah, I could see that being a hard thing. But yeah. with Airbnb, it's just a totally different market. You know, yep. we, we get really great guests. People are very respectful. And even if you did more of executive rentals or something at a month at a time or three months at a time, you could get nurses in there. You could definitely have something that would make sense, even if I decided I couldn't do Airbnb. Yeah. Well, There's a lot know, of good backup plans. For sure. We, I've noticed in our Airbnbs, I feel like at any given point in time, at least like a third of our inventory is somebody that's quasi, you know, long term like a three month contract here or there, people that are yeah. building a house or they're in town for work. So we get a lot of that, which is great. That's great income because you're getting twice they're as much great. as you would on a, you know, a year lease. Yeah. It's sort of middle ground. It's like, yeah, you're giving them a little bit of deal off of the Airbnb price, but there's paying way more than market rate. And then there's, they're easy, you know, yeah. especially like you know, doctors or nurses that are at work all day long and then you're not cleaning. So it's like, it's, it's a breeze. That's I nice. Loved it. Mm -hmm. So what are you renting this place for nightly? Um, it really varies. So I use pricing software to optimize it. So it could be anywhere from the lowest of the low of being like $55 a night to a hundred and something dollars a night. Okay. So yeah, it varies based on season. Well then crap, yeah. you're getting, your vacancy must be really low. If you're getting $3,000 months on occasion, I mean, that's only yeah. a couple nights out of the whole month that aren't rented. Totally. Some Summertime is killer. People love it. You know, they travel a lot in the summer. That seems to be the height all across the board. So what's the draw, I guess, in that part of town? Is it close to downtown St. Louis? There's got to be something that why people want to stay in that neighborhood, especially if it's B-class. 
Yeah. I mean, it's really the college, I'd say. Okay. So there's a big school there, Washington University. It's got about 15,000 students and it's got one of the best medical programs in the country. So there's a medical gotcha. hospital there and then the other hospitals are not far away. Then the walking street that I told you about, it's got like a classic theater. So they have film festivals there. And then at the end of the street, there's a really cool um, concert hall. So oh, people wow. come in for concerts. And we're 15 minutes from the airport, another maybe 18 minutes from the convention center and all the like ball fields and stuff that are downtown. So it's a good, it's a good location. I think there's a lot of reasons. That's but amazing. People just drive through too, you know, cross country. Yeah. That's yeah. so crazy to buy something for 52,000 bucks and be generating <laughs> 3,000 a month on some months in income. That's crazy. Yeah. That's great so numbers. If I'm going to add like one little thing, um, my favorite part of the story is that when we were buying the house, uh, we were kind of in this little stressful spot. We found out we were going to buy it cash. So I thought, you know, we can close in like two weeks. Then all of a sudden, right before we're about to fly out there, we find out, oh, actually there's an issue with the title. And I, this is only my third house at this point, And I never had a title issue. I didn't know if that meant like, oh, do we back out? Like, does this get cleared up in 24 hours? Or is like this an ongoing forever thing? Um, and my agent felt really confident that we'd be able to figure it out, but didn't know when. So I thought, okay, you know, I own the house six doors down. Maybe I just fill their garage with furniture because I'm going out there anyway and then move it in later. Or I can ask them, maybe they would let me rent the place, you know, so I could just rent it and then re-rent it. Like I started with my Airbnb career right. um, and see if that would work. So we talked them into letting us rent it for super cheap. I think, I don't even know how we came up with this number, but they were okay with, $420. And oh it gosh. kept being pushed back. It was like, oh, you know, it's going to be a week. And then it was like two weeks. And then it was four weeks. And then it ended up being, I think, two months by the end of it. So 420 was all we paid. And we ended up making almost 1600 the first month, and then another 1800 the second month. So oh it really gosh. worked out great for us. So you cash flow positive before you even owned the house. Yeah, I know. And I was like, wow, if we don't even buy it, I'm happy. We can walk away. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, that <laughs> goes for the furniture. <laughs> you know, that goes back to the model we were just talking about. I mean, somebody that you, where you find a distressed seller and then just put terms on it, either owner finance it or lease it for some small amount and then turn, you know, turn on master lease it out through Airbnb. I mean, that's, that really is a good business model. Totally. Makes me think yeah, I should take know. a harder look. I think a model you might like is like they do these pop-up hotels. So it's a master lease model that people are doing where they go to a new luxury building and usually a luxury building can't like fill all their units right away, yep. right? So right away, maybe there's 70% occupied and then it takes them a few years to get the rest out. Yep. So you go to them and say, hey, we'll take all your empty units and then next year we'll move out of, you know, 10 of them and then the next year we'll move out of five and then we'll be gone. Hmm. And they love it because they, they get rented, guaranteed rent. And then you have this like pop-up hotel business where you're making killer money on luxury brand new rentals. And then you just move the furniture to another unit. You know, I, it's funny. I st just uh, a couple months ago, I was in Phoenix and stayed at one of those places. And I didn't realize at the time, I thought I was actually booking. Like, and then I realized that everybody <laughs> around me lived in the place. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. And it's funny. I guess if, you've, if you get Airbnb, you understand it. You yeah. can, any sort of available unit, you take it, you negotiate it and you just lease it out. Absolutely. But yeah, there's companies that do really well with that model. So crazy. All right. So you funded this yourself, right? So this was just a cash I deal. Did. Yeah. It's hard to get 
that little of money. Yeah, <laughs> if you right. try to get a mortgage under a hundred thousand, like the interest rate is actually higher than yep. a regular mortgage. Well, yeah. there's a lot of lenders that won't even lend below a certain amount. So, yeah. you know, there's some, there's some non-conventional, you know, 30 year term money that's out there now. It's still not, I mean, maybe five, 6%, it's a little bit higher, but it's still available. So is your plan then just to keep your cash tied up in it or, or is there any plan to refi out of it? That's such little cash. I don't know what I would do. I think it's fine where it's at. I'm yeah. happy with that. I think I'm not traditional real estate in the sense that I'm like, oh, I want to leverage everything. I'm still in that like early retirement fire community where I'm like, I want to be financially independent. I want to have all my places paid off eventually and just live off of that income and be chill. Yeah. So not going for a hundred doors. Gotcha. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't blame you, man. Sometimes it's it gets complicated. Yeah, it does. Totally. It, it all of a sudden starts occupying way more of your time than you anticipated when you get yeah. that many doors. So, okay. So somebody's listening to this and they love the concept and they don't know where to start. And you've obviously got so many doors that you've managed now. You've got a handful of your own. What advice would you give somebody that's interested in getting into this space? List what you have. So everybody lives somewhere. You could be living in a van and you can rent it out in someone's driveway. You know, I've heard of people <laughs> renting out their backyard and putting tents in it. Like you can do what? all of the things. Your face was so good right that there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, like forty five dollars the river. a night. I live in a van down by the river on Airbnb. <laughs> Totally. Uh, people love that stuff. You know, they want a unique space. So I, I tell people just get the experience. You know, even if you build out a listing and you don't publish it, you're learning how to use the site. You know, if you're going to eventually co-host or something like that. But yeah, just list what you have. Go away for a weekend and see if you like it. Because that's the easiest way. You don't have to invest anything. And so I've got a tree house in my backyard and my kids never use it anymore. I'm wondering if I should throw that up on Airbnb. I mean, tree houses are one of the most popular listings. Are they really? 50 yeah. bucks a night? That's good. Make that's it really sign. cute. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, well, that's good advice. So, and then also if somebody was interested in uh, what, what would it look like to go out there and find a house for rent and put a master lease on it? If somebody was in, because that's a really cool concept that a lot of people yeah. don't understand. Where would you direct somebody to learn more about that? I think it's easier than people think. It's really just coming up with a couple of really good terms that would be hard to say no to and having like a cover letter that you shoot out to maybe, you know, 50 places on Craigslist or something. You're definitely going to get a couple of bites. But things that I tell people to do is say, we're going to do a long lease, you know, two or three years. We're going to guarantee rent increases. So find out what's normal for your area, maybe two to 4%, and then just weave that in there. So no vacancy. They're getting guaranteed rent. They're getting increases. Mm -hmm. Tell them, you know, the professional photos. They can use them if they're going to sell at some point. You can say, oh, it's professionally cleaned. You can say, we will pay for anything that's repairable under $200. You know, there's little things like that yeah. where you're like, we are going to take care of this place. Yeah. And people are stoked on that because there are so many places that just turn into like college slums and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. you'd be surprised. People are happy to say yes. And you typically go in there at market rent. You're not even trying to negotiate them down below market rent in most cases. I do. I always do because I'm a negotiator. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I don't, I don't take anything at face value. At least ask. You never yeah. know what you're going to get. If right. they say no, then you're already at the baseline of where everyone's starting. So Right, right. That's good advice yeah. for all you folks out there that if you don't have any money to get started, you just go out there. I mean, this is a great strategy for somebody to get into the Airbnb space. You don't have to buy the house in the way that you did on this best deal ever. There's ways to go out there and negotiate master leases. So Totally. Really cool. I, a lot of yeah. I think a lot of folks are going to be interested in looking into this space. 
Good. I hope so. I think there's space for all of us. Yeah. Ziana, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. Okay, Ziana, I wanna hear about your worst deal ever. Let's hear it. Yeah, so this took me a second to think about, but this is a very recent worst deal. So generally, I always make money. I'm really good at like not picking dogs. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really selective and I don't wanna do anything that it's not gonna turn around and make money very quickly. So I took on this client in Phoenix and I kind of knew right away that the home was a little bit basic. It was kind of bare bones and we really made them flesh it out before to like make it nicer and hope to attract better guests. Well, it turns out that that part of town, they were just kind of attracting not great guests and at very, very low rates. So I think it was only our third guest. We ended up getting this lady who was a little bit mentally unwell and (laughs) She I have a feeling you wanted- put that really nicely. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, really good. Correct way of putting that, I'm sure. Yeah. So she wanted, she had lots of problems with the place and kept giving us issues. And then we decided like, huh, we really want her to go. She was only there probably four days. And then she's decided that she wanted to stay longer and asked again and again. And we said, no, sorry, it's not available. We're not going to do that. So the day that she was supposed to check out, she just decided not to leave Um, and so this woman, we had to get her out via police, um, and they came by and gave her an hour and then she still didn't leave and they had to physically remove her, which has never happened in all my years of Airbnb. Wow. Yes. And then when we got in the home, there was like $1,200 of damage. She had broken the door. I guess someone was like banging on the door, trying to get in a steel door. Um, so the trim was falling off the wall. The door was split down the middle. Um, yeah, it was pretty intense. But the weirdest thing was that the bathtub was filled with bleach water. And when we got the handyman in there to unplug it, there were lemons in it. So I, I have photos of this. Yeah, I was like, what is happening? So I don't know if the lady was bathing in lemony bleach water. I don't know what was going on. Maybe she was trying to clean but there were lots of issues in the home. And so we ended up saying, hey, this is probably just not a good rental for us. And the owner agreed and we got all his money back and got everything repaired, but we definitely lost money on that deal. And, you know, probably only a couple hundred bucks because of all our time that we put into it. But 
Yeah. I think that's I'm crazy. being way more selective these days. Yeah. In terms of what houses you take down. So that totally. actually makes me, it brings up a good question though for Airbnb. I, I would imagine that it's probably state specific what it takes to get somebody out. I mean, are there some states yeah. where it, you have to go through like a true eviction process? So only if they've stayed over 30 nights, can it be considered like a rental? And so okay. that happens in California that okay. people have had this issue where people have stayed just 31 nights or something like that. And then they try to say, no, this is my house now. Um, but I've only really heard, you know, the one off in the news. I don't really know anybody that that's happened to. Okay. And I've definitely never had to try to get someone removed. That was exciting. Except for that one in Phoenix. Yeah. So like they physically had to come in there, knock down the door and carry her off the property. Yeah. I don't know how they got the door open. I wasn't physically there. You know, I wish they had videoed it or something, but it was very dramatic. We were all so stressed that day. And then just not knowing and expecting that there would be damage. She stole like all of the shampoo and conditioner towels. Like we had a whole list, like 16 rolls of toilet paper. It was like, really? So yeah. It was weird. That's pretty crazy. I mean, yeah, when that, you open yourself up to the general population, like on a forum like Airbnb, you're going you're gonna to come across some crazies. It's just the nature of the business. Yeah. And you know, one crazy like that in eight years, I feel pretty good. I've had That's thousands, true. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And do you yeah. feel like that had a, a lot to do with kind of where this particular property was located to? I think it's also price point. So like okay. if you're in a market and it's their lower season and you're really trying to attract some people, you might lower the price just to start. Yeah. And I think every property has its minimum price and you kind of discover that sometimes through a bad guest. But yeah. you, it, unfortunately, yeah, it, it kind of gets to a point where it's going to be more transient or basically homeless and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. I wonder what that threshold is. If like, you get below 50 bucks a night, you're, at, you're sort of asking for it, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. And it depends where. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm. Well, that's a good story. I mean, uh, I guess it's cautionary for you folks that are in, in Airbnb, especially if you've got an Airbnb and like you're renting out your basement. Those, I never quite understood that one. Really? Like, oh my gosh. Because you can like live off of your basement. Like there are people that retire, quit their job, pay their mortgage all off of their basement. I'm like, dope. Yeah, but you've got, you've got, you might have crazy lemon lady below you. Yeah, but you'll find out in four days. So it's fine. <laughs> you just hope they're not an ax murderer. And if they're not, then you're in luck. Yeah. Or the, or even the Airbnbs like where it's like rooms, like they're renting just rooms and there's multiple people in the same, it's almost like a hostel. Like there's multiple people in the same house that each can have a room that. Yeah. I don't know. That makes me nervous. I've totally done that. Have um, you? You've yeah. rented or you've, you've stayed in those places? Well, I've stayed in those as well, but I've rented um, a room where it was just me and there was another room and it's so sweet. I mean, you get all these people that are on these like adventures and sometimes they're really cool and then you decide to go to dinner or go on a hike with them and you know, they're just like new friends. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I'm totally sold. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. You're talking you the wrong drinking, girl. Yeah, you're very <laughs> trusting. I'm not going to use the word naive. We'll just say trusting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that's cool. Well, uh, again, cautionary tale. It's a pretty funny worst deal ever that some lady was in there melting bodies in the bathtub and covering it up with bleach. God only knows. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Ziana, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. 
If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.